Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. That's ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Again, that's ebaymotors.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, depending on where you are in the world, it's Thursday, and you know what that means. That means it's time to ignite the dynamite the day after the dynamite, or in this case, like two hours after dynamite ended. Welcome to another edition of Day After Dynamite. I hope you're having a great Thanksgiving weekend, or at least I hope your weekend has just begun. And I'm glad you've taken the time to join us here on the special late edition of Day After Dynamite, or as I've called it, Dad After Dark. I'm Will Washington, but I'm not alone here. I am joined by somebody I've been trying to get on the show, and she can attest to this. I have been. I've been trying to get on the show for quite some time, uh, but schedules just haven't really lined up. But guess what? It's late on a Wednesday slash early on a Thursday, depending on where you are. She's able to make it. She is Miss Lowe wrestling wind down how you doing low i'm good how are you i am excellent it's i don't know i i it's it, it's weird because uh you would think it wouldn't feel odd to me those of you who have been following me a long time doing a podcast on a wednesday night right because i hosted rbr for 16 years and uh Sorry to 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 my old co-hosts, but they're literally on right now, live, and uh, I I did a show on Wednesdays with them from about 2016 until 2021, and so that's a solid five years I did Wednesday nights. I this should be something I'm used to, but I'll tell you what, uh, one of my big changes in joining Fightful and doing Day After Dynamite, doing Grapsity, um, doing After the Week with Denise. Uh, every show I do uh, was to not do like late night shows because I will tell you doing podcasts late was killing me uh, as far as Thursday morning when Thursday morning would hit and I had to work the next morning my god I was dragging 
uh, I was pretty much useless till like 11 a.m. And like at, at work the next day, it was just always a mess. And I knew I said to myself, I am not going to do late podcasts anymore in the middle of the week. Luckily, tomorrow's Thanksgiving. Who the hell right. is working tomorrow? I'm not working tomorrow. I hope you have the day off. And I hope you, Lo, have the day off. And I do. Good, good. You got any Thanksgiving plans? I'm just going to hang out with my family. I'm ready for some stuffing or dressing, wherever you are, whatever you call it. I'm just I'm ready. <laughs> what, what's your go-to? What is, what is the one thing you're most looking forward to? Um, Probably stuffing, but I want to see like what my family makes dessert-wise. Um, ah. I hope sweet potato pie or something of the sweet potato genre, because that's what I've been craving lately. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I, I mean, I will say that as everybody knows, because I can't stop talking about it, lost a whole bunch of weight, and I've been in, in full-on exercise mode all the time, and I've been eating right, and um, I, I've made a promise and dedication to myself that this diet change is going to be permanent, that as far as I'm concerned, I, I have to eat better. Um, it's, it's for health reasons. I have to. But that said, <laughs> I I recognize that I will probably put on five pounds tomorrow because I there are no limits to what I'm willing to eat tomorrow. Um, I want some damn mac and cheese. And oh, yes. uh, I, my, my wife just had me try this experimental muffin she just made for the first time. Um, she just made these um, cranberry muffins, but, mm -hmm. um, but she used the banana base for them. It's one of the best things I've ever had. I, I still like just thinking about it. I literally ate it five minutes before this show. Uh, and she made multiple pies. And I said, uh, I thought I said it jokingly, but I guess I didn't. But I said to her that uh, I want my own pie this year because the pie goes so fast. I got my own pie this year. What a wife. I have a, I have a pie <laughs> to myself. I looked up and I was like, why don't you make five pies? And she's like, because you said you wanted one to yourself. Aww. Okay. Well, thank you. I'm really excited. And yeah, my brother just flew out here from Florida. So um, all is good. I watched Dynamite with him tonight. And yeah, it's all going to be a good time. And I'm glad that you out there have joined us tonight. And if you want to help be a part of this show. I'm reading the chat all show long. I always am. But also send us your super chats, donate a super chat, donate a humper chat. Humperchats.com is the way to donate a humper chat. You can donate those really all day long um, as long as they're identified um, as to what show they belong to. Uh, I'll make sure they get read. Of course, it's become kind of a running gag that every week I somehow forget to read one. And so um, I did get a Twitter DM from somebody who um, let me know that I actually very much forgot one last week. So shout out Nicole. Um, I want to make sure I get to her. So I'm pulling it up now. Uh, and she said that she sent one in. It was directed towards. Um, okay. She said she sent it in towards Grapsity. So I'll make sure that this one gets read on Grapsity more than anything else. That's my bad. Because um, you can't really put that on anybody else. I'm the one who reads the Humper Chats. Uh, and... <laughs> So I will make sure that we get to that on Grapsity this week. Because even though there's no Ask Grapsity, um, which I know that's normally a Thursday thing, uh, we're actually doubling up on Ask Grapsity. So next week there will be one, and then week after there will be. So it won't be um, – and then we'll get back to the biweekly schedule. But Ask Grapsity will be back next week. Uh, and 
then everything should be kind of back on track. We're really just taking Thanksgiving off, and that that's really it. Uh, I am pulling up the Humper Chats, but in the meantime, let's read a couple of Super Chats. We got one from Brent Lockman. Brent says, Midnight After Dynamite. Let's fucking go. Also, how's it a great thing Ishii doesn't have a neck after the April <laughs> Um Yeah, I know, right? The... Uh, I can't wait to talk about that match because there's there's a lot to get out of that. Um, you know what's funny is the name of this show, Dad After Dark. Uh, my son kind of halfway helped me name that because uh, the way it all came together was I was like, okay, I have to do Day After Dynamite tonight. And he's like, well, it's not Day After Dynamite, Dad, because Day After Dynamite's tomorrow, but it is Day After Dark because Dark aired yesterday. <laughs> and I was like, son, I think you're on the right track, actually. I would never do a podcast about AEW Dark. I'm sorry. But, son, you are on the right track. And then I was Creative like, director. Yeah. So here came Dad After Dark, and that's where the show was named. Hey, CBD's Nuts. Love that name. Says, what an episode of Dynamite. The whole trios match was fantastic. What a love letter to the gripe bomb slash brawl out chaos. I hadn't heard gripe bomb. I haven't, um, I haven't heard that one either. No. I Okay. I will say. Brawl out is uh, phenomenal. That's that's a great name, but man, Gripe Bomb is really good. I don't know which one <laughs> I stick with going forward. Um, so thank you for that, CBD's nuts. Uh, and Ryan Lambert says, as someone who willingly wants to work in the ER tomorrow, as I don't celebrate, so those who do can. I will say I love my hometown wrestling crowd. Um, Chicago is truly something else. Uh, and I think it, it was a tricky show, and we'll talk about that here in a little bit as well. Uh, as far as planning around Chicago with kind of what you had. But again, and CBD's Nuts follows up with, I didn't think much of it past that, but with everything online, this means Punk might come back. Man, wrestling is wild. I think uh, pump the brakes on that one is what I'll say. Um <laughs> I'm not saying this with a whole bunch of uh, inside information. I did talk to two wrestlers tonight about the uh, about the trios match and what they thought of the punk references. And they thought kind of the same thing I did because I'm seeing the internet very much reading into it. It's like, oh my right. God, is punk coming back? Is there, uh, did they come to a conclusion? What's going on? And uh, that is not, I, I don't think that's the case, but I don't think it's, not the case either. I think that, again, we're still not in any position to have an answer on that. I think that's truly where we are. I think that, uh, like, obviously, CM Punk was removed from the AEW Fight Forever cover. That is a fact now. Um, people weren't really sure when the trailer came out this past weekend whether or not that was just, like, a promotional graphic or if that is the cover art. It is the cover art for the game. Um, the game even has its ESRB rating now. So, like, all of the things about the cover are official that is it that is the cover we're getting um but as far as punk's concerned i mean look he's still as far as they're concerned under contract um and technically once his injury is up you can call him back to work anytime right uh so uh as far as whether or not he returns i don't know i don't know what's gonna happen i i truly don't uh my thoughts are that 
at some point they all decide to make some money. Uh, I don't think they decided that yet. I think what happened tonight. Uh, and tell me what you got out of it. I guess that that's my first thought. Uh, as far as the CM Punk stuff, I'm, uh, I'm curious, Lo, what do you, what did you get out of what happened with CM Punk? Uh, as far as referencing him. You know what? I feel like that's just the Young Bucks. Like, they're very, you know, not petty, but like, they know how to dig a little bit, right? And I think a lot of people, when they came back, they thought that first appearance, they might, you know, say something or do something, but Chicago's the perfect place for it. Punk's from Chicago. You don't know how the crowd's going to go. And all the different instances that they had, it was like, okay, y'all keep doing it. Like, (laughs) what's going on here? So that's somewhat of the track I was on. So I, my theory and I talked to one wrestler who believes this is the case as well. Um, but it's not really like a firsthand account. It's just, hey, I'm a wrestler. I wrestle in AEW. This is what I see out of this. What they said to me was, um, and what I said to them. I'll, I'll start with what I said. I was like, so was this kind of a way to give Chicago the victory for the night? Because you could sense all week that something was going to be up, right? You mm-hmm. could sense that, you know, the Young Bucks changed their uh, Twitter profile bio to uh, something about Chicago. Like, they knew they were walking into enemy territory. They knew it was going to be a heavy CM Punk audience. They knew they were going to get booed. They knew they were going to have to play the heels. The other thing I'm pretty certain they all knew was that they were going to lose. And so I think a big part of it was simply mocking the crowd in a way where at the end of it, the Young Bucks and Kenny were going to end up with egg on their faces because they lost. Mm -hmm. And so at the end of the day, the Chicago crowd got the victory here. Like, yeah, we're going to antagonize you here, but only because at the end of it, we're going to look stupid and you're going to look like the the cheering crowd you're gonna right. get what you want out of this out of us and that's what i thought they were going for i thought that they were looking for some like addressing the elephant in the room getting some heat but ultimately taking the l and uh the wrestler i talked to two of the wrestlers i talked to felt like just observing it they felt like it was the same thing of basically mm. let me try and get some heat on us so that way in the end we look stupid we look like because it didn't work like that's right. the, that's the thing is um all the mocking of cm punk all the kind of going for the references antagonizing the fans and all of that none of it worked they lost they're down oh and they're oh and two now they uh their backs are against the wall here and they almost have to serious up and clean up the antics if- exactly they want to get this thing back on track because, you know, when you look at the entrance from um, from Full Gear, for example, that came off very cocky. Like, they just knew they were going to come back and reclaim their titles. All those video packages that they were showing, you know, they were basically claiming in the video packages that Triangle are not the rightful champions. We are. And as soon as we come back, we're taking those belts back. And they lost. And it's almost like these their cocky, arrogant attitudes have to get checked. Exactly. And I think that that's kind of what I believe they were going for. Um, I don't necessarily know if it worked because ultimately 
nobody's talking about Death Triangle. The only thing people are talking about is CM Punk. The only thing people are talking about is what the Elite did, not necessarily that the Elite lost. But I right. think that was what the story was supposed to be, was that they were kind of fucking with the fans, but in doing so, it cost them the match. So um, those are my two cents on, on, on that piece of news that came out of the show. The other big piece of news we got was that uh, Thunder Rosa is no longer officially AEW Women's World Champion. This is a thing that uh, on the media call this past Friday, uh, was that Friday? Nope, that was Thursday because that was right before Day After Dynamite. On the media call this past Thursday, um, I did ask Tony Khan about, uh, I specifically asked about the fact that with the other interim champions that they've done, um, whether it was Cody as, uh, or when Sammy was interim TNT champion, when John Moxley was interim WWE, or WWE, AEW world champion, or one that people forget about when Mercedes Martinez was interim ring of honor women's world champion. All of those had an end in sight. Every single one of them was, mm -hmm. you know, we could at least see, we know roughly when we're going to see the lineal champion again. So we know when we're going to get the undisputed match, but the way Thunder Rosa has been talking, she doesn't seem like she's confident. She'll be back before the end of 2020 or yeah, before the end of 2022, and she said that she could be a little bit into 2023. With no end in sight, you can't have uh, a, a a lineal champion floating around, float or looming over the interim world champions because it's just kind of diminishing the work that the women that are around today are doing. Um, and that announcement was made on the show tonight that Thunder Rosa and AEW came to a, an agreement for her to relinquish the championship. And therefore, the cool news, and this was the part I took away from the The best part to me of this announcement was, hey, they, it's retroactive uh, right. going back to All Out. And therefore, Tony Storm's reign does count. She is a former AEW Women's World Champion. And that... Uh, Jamie Hayter just continues the lineage of the belt. None of the interim stuff retroactively ever happened. What did you think? I mean, that's that was my concern too. And I saw the timeline, and people were like, "So are they going to count Tony's as you know being an actual champion? Are they going to keep her as interim?" And I'm not sure if they thought about that before they made the announcement because you notice after the match they said it. So I'm wondering if they were like, oh, shit, like we should have said that when, <laughs> when we announced it earlier. But, you know, the whole Thunder Rosa thing, like I really love Thunder Rosa. I think she's an incredible performer, but her whole title reign, her injury, the stuff with Brit, I feel like it's really had like a cloud over her. And, you know, with no return date, it's been kind of like, OK, what are we doing here? Like, I'm not really sure why they just didn't do this when Tony first won the title rather than wait until Jamie won it to be like, oh, okay, we're just going to take the interim away. Um, I'm not sure if you saw Thunder Rosa. She did tweet something about onto the next chapter. And I was kind of like, hmm, what do you mean by that, Miss Thunder Rosa? Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know. I didn't see that tweet. Uh, and um, I, I guess I am curious about that. 
but yeah, as far as Thunder Rosa is concerned, um, yeah, it kind of sucks. Her her reign, you know, she had uh, I believe four appearances on Dynamite as uh, or four matches on Dynamite. Right. She made multiple appearances before matches on Dynamite as in, as uh, world champion. And just by comparison, Tony Storm was champion for uh, what was it? Twelve weeks, I think. Um, yeah, around there. And no, not even. Uh, I think well, it was, all out to full gear. Yeah, so it's like ten weeks. Septem- yeah. Jeez. Yeah, I think. Yeah, it was. early September to early November. Yep. Uh, so she was champ, literally two and a half months. And in those two and a half months, she missed very few dynamite. She worked eight matches on dynamite as women's world champion. To put that into perspective, that's how many Britt Baker worked. No, Britt Baker worked seven. I apologize. Britt Baker worked seven in her nearly a year as champion. Now, granted, Britt Baker had defenses on Rampage. She also had defenses on, and I'm just solely counting Dynamite, but she had defenses on Rampage. She had defenses at the Battle of the Belts and pay-per-view, things along those lines. So she had more than seven matches total. But just talking Dynamite specifically, Britt Baker, seven appearances Mm -hmm. on Dynamite as champion over a year um and then Sheeta just like smashes all the records she right is, she was champion a whole year and uh i think she still gets to go down as the goat so uh talking back at the super chats uh cbd's nuts says hope y'all have a wonderful thanksgiving will you're the best in the biz dude thank you i don't believe that at all but uh i appreciate that uh those are always kind words. Um, Orion Ben six 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 says, "Who brought the <laughs> wine for low? Welcome, sis. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, what are we doing? You know what? No wine tonight. No Just wine some tea. Tonight. We're spilling the tea. Yeah." That's what we do here on Day After Dynamite. And CBD's Nuts, again, which is just a name I can't get over saying, uh, says, oh, yeah, uh, all I'm taking it as now is uh, now zero or now a non-zero chance Punk returns, which is more than I thought before tonight. Yes, a non-zero chance um, is a good way to look at that. Alexander says, pretty clear they didn't want to officially vacate the women's title before uh, they knew what her rehab looked like. Uh, she just got back to running this week, so full recovery is clearly mm. far off. Yeah, she mentioned that that she just started running again. Um, yeah, I don't know uh, what she's going to end up doing. But I do think it was the right call to no longer have that looming over the show anymore. I think it just... Do you think they should have brought her out? Or do you think the way they did it was best? I did see some people that were a little bit curious as to why they didn't have Thunder Rosa come out and make the announcement with Renee. Um, I mean, probably just wasn't booked. I mean, I I imagine, I wonder if they could have at least had like a pre-tape or something. But because there was that time that Thunder Rosa got COVID and recorded a promo on Brit from her phone. Right. uh, So that's not a thing that hasn't been done before. But the... Yeah, I don't know, I guess, what the resources on that looked like or what the efforts on it even looked like. But I'm just, this is the right call to me, I think, with how over, like, think about the announcement. There was a huge pop when Mm -hmm. they announced Thunder Rosa is relinquishing the title. Crowd lost it. Yeah. I don't think that was the crowd being 
negative toward Thunder Rosa because they've never shown any negativity toward her. I think she's always been very popular. But what I do think it was was one, the crowd being very pro Jamie because oh yeah, that that's that's their gal. And I think also it's the crowd being very anti interim champions. And I think the crowd probably doesn't want to hear that term for a while. And I'm not against the interim champion. When there is a solution in sight, we knew when Deanna Perrazzo was Ring of Honor Women's World Champion, we knew that the only reason she we they had to crown an interim champion was no injury, nothing going on. She just was double booked WrestleMania weekend, couldn't defend the title. Made sense there that, hey, once we have Deanna, we will crown a lineal champion. Mm-hmm. Made perfect sense to me. Uh, and same with Cody. Cody was like, oh, he's got COVID. We know he'll be down a couple of weeks, but at the end of the day, we know he'll be back in a ring. Right. Um, like a and, timetable type of thing. Yeah. So either way, exciting times. Um, and I think news-wise, uh, that's... A lot of what's coming out of the show. Fightful Select had a story today that Sean Ross Sapp published about uh, Scorpio Sky's whereabouts. Um, and the news at the moment is that Scorpio's clear. So, um, and he was backstage recently at Dynamite. Um, just a, actually was like a couple months ago. But either way, it's just a matter of when they want to use Scorpio again. Uh, and when he's ready to be reintroduced back into the show. I kind of want to see him and Ethan go at it. I mean, Ethan's, you know, he doesn't have anything going on now. He sure doesn't. Uh, I mean, look, I feel like as they seem to be replenishing the, I don't know, how you renege on the stipulation, but hey, it's pro wrestling. They've always reneged on stipulations. John Cena literally lost a match at Survivor Series. This still makes me so mad. <laughs> or no, what, what was it? It was Wade Barrett lost the match at Survivor Series 2010, and the stipulation was if John Cena didn't count Wade or didn't count Orton's shoulders down, then Cena was fired. And then they did a big goodbye on Monday Night Raw for John Cena, where I was like, wow, this is really heartfelt. I wonder if he's taking some time off. And he was back by the end of the night. He he missed zero television. He missed zero Raws. He missed zero anything. They had no patience. So, like, wrestling. And that was the main event to a pay-per-view. And this was pre-network. You had to pay for that. You paid your 60 bucks. And you got uh, your main event stipulation reneged on the very next night. So I said all that to say that if they somehow decide to backtrack on the stipulation that SCU can no longer wrestle together, I'd actually love that because Mm. they seem to be very much replenishing the trios divisions and the trios division right now. And I think that um, the more names in it, the better. And if you can have, Daniels, Kazarian, and Scorpio working together in that division, you absolutely should. So um, that's where I'd go with that. But hey, folks, let's talk about AEW Dynamite. Um, I feel like a lot of people weren't paying attention. And granted, if you're not one to watch the scrums, I get it. But I was there. I was sitting in the front row. Literally had... <laughs> MJF sweat 
splashing on me as he's shouting at me. I felt like he was pretty clear in that scrum that he wasn't going to be on Dynamite. Right. He really he said it. He pretty much said it. <laughs> yes. I believe he said that he's going back to his movie, movie set. Movie set. Yeah. I thought that was fairly clear. I guess they thought he was going to do that over the weekend. I... <laughs> <laughs> I I also felt like MJF uh and all of the announcements they made AEW's pretty clear about we will hear from insert champion here and we'll always get that graphic we see it all the time Mm -hmm. so i found myself a little perplexed when i saw the amount of like annoyance and anger that he wasn't on the show and i thought i i felt like that was clear that he wasn't going to be there i wasn't expecting him especially when they said we'll hear from regal and i thought okay so here we have uh, a surrogate in this case for uh, Maxwell Jacob Friedman. Um, and the show started out with William Regal, who was back in heel mode. I thought he was very good here. Uh, I thought the way he told you all that uh, MJF would refuse to come to the city. And then he's like, <laughs> where are we again? Uh, the way he responded to the fuck you Regal chants. Uh, and, you know, as far as what's going on with their relationship, everybody wants to know what the deal is. And, uh, MJF will answer that next week, but you don't. He sure will. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Derek Gordon, by the way, asked, wasn't the stipulation that Daniels and Kazarian couldn't be a tag team anymore? I mean, I don't know. Who cares? Just bring them back. Just bring back SCU and um, tell everybody that this is the worst town they've ever or we've ever been in, and just have fun again. Just be SCU again, and give us what we kind of never got to see. Because that's true. Uh, as soon as AEW launched and SCU was like one of the first groups signed, everybody thought that's what we were going to see was mm-hmm. SCU be SCU, and they never got to be. So. It's not too late. Yeah, I want it. That's what I want. I don't know if I'm going to get that, but I very much want SCU reunited and go on like one last run as a faction. We're going to get it? I don't know. Uh, but Regal here. Um, before Regal could get into anything, uh, the... All right, let, let's start here. What, what did you think of Regal initially uh, in the ring? I have questions for Mr. Regal. A lot of questions. <laughs> like, what what is going on? I mean, I think with the incorporation of NJF coming, you know, whether it's next week or whenever he decides to come from his movie set, I think that's when we'll get the answers. Yeah. Um, I, I don't want the Blackpool Combat Club to be over with, though. That's what it's looking like at this point. And I feel like Regal was you know, such a strong part of that. And now it's kind of like, okay, you know, you have John Moxley, you have Daniel Bryan, like we saw that whole interaction. You have to wonder, well, you know, we saw Claudio later on in the night. Where's you at? Like, what is going on here? The Blackpool Combat Club is getting a divorce. Like what, what are we doing? Yeah. Uh, I, I do have more and more questions. Um, 
I mean, I especially have questions about little rumors floating around about um, how long Regal's contract was with AEW to begin with and whether mm. or not he might be on his way out. Um, that rumor's been floating around for a little bit. I have not heard anything of substance on that uh, because I've gotten questions about it. Don't know. Um, but I liked everyone here. Moxley came out with some fire in him with some oh, anger. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was almost a a version of Moxley that I felt like we hadn't seen in a little bit. Like mm-hmm. seeing Moxley with that fire in him, that anger in him. I was looking at that like, wow, why have I felt like I haven't seen that Moxley in a while? And before he could get his hands on Regal, in comes Brian Danielson. And Brian Danielson was uh, pleading with Moxley to not do anything hasty right now. That, you know, let's hear him out. Let's hear out what he has to say. I know we're not going to hear it this week, but please, please. And Brian got on his knees and he talked about his father and how his father dealt with similar struggles to what um, John Moxley dealt with. And the one person who was able to help him through the loss of his father was William Regal. So just, you know, please don't do this. He loves Regal. Uh, I'm with the chat, though. The thing I'm most sad about in getting a heel Regal all of a sudden is the end of the Regal and Excalibur relationship. <gasps> what? Oh, no. <laughs> we can't have... No. I know, we right? We this. This is prime entertainment. The first time he's on commentary, I feel like he's just going to be like, stop talking to me, man in the mask. Uh, what are we going to do? Uh, what happens here? Uh, this this, this is an earth-shattering breakup. I know. I, I really hope this isn't the case, but something tells me we've heard the last of Regal and the man in the mask. <sighs> Pour one out. But, but <laughs> Moxley tells Regal to get lost, to, he said, run and don't come back. Okay. Very mysterious. That was very mysterious. And that had me a little bit. That had, that, I'm not going to lie. That line there had me thinking about the rumors and, uh, and as far as what Regal has coming up. So mm-hmm. as soon as I heard that line, yeah, I, I did immediately think, uh, did I miss something? Uh, this, why, why would you specifically tell him, don't come back? Huh. I don't know. Uh, Tony P asked, Hey, Will, do you think the reason the trios match wasn't the main event was because they didn't know how the Chicago crowd would react to the elite, possibly having a punk chant hijack the whole main event and causing a bad look? No, I will tell you why it didn't main event. Uh, because this show traditionally draws very poorly. And what I mean by that is the pre Thanksgiving show. Um, Thanksgiving, uh, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving is a big bar night. And every year, this episode of Dynamite has been one of the lower rated of the year. Hmm. Uh, and so I think this was more so them hedging their bets around the first hour and making sure that 
uh, the stuff that they wanted people to the mo- the most of the audience that was going to see it. I think they wanted all of that to be in the first hour, and then everything else was more so like, okay, this is all still important stuff, but it's stuff that we're willing to sacrifice a little bit of the audience for. And I think that's really what it was. I think they know at this point that the show, um, like last year, last year's show in Chicago, in this very arena, Wintrust Arena, which I love Wintrust Arena, by the way. I think that, uh, you know, this is what AEW's, this was the fourth time they've run this arena. It's it's a cool-looking venue in the sense that it's one of the smaller Chicago venues, but it also packs well, and I feel like um, it creates this really loud, intimate sound. And, and it's actually I, in Chicago. Yes, it's <laughs> in Chicago. It's not 30 minutes outside of Chicago like the Now Arena or um, in rosemont like the all-state arena is really it's it's two places in chicago it's uh the united center and wind trust uh and so no i think just not having it as the main event was more so about the uh just the structure of the show and planning around ratings maybe i'm wrong but that's my my gut because this show hasn't it's been this is the fourth year of uh, having this specific episode of Dynamite. And I think at this point, we know the patterns. And yet, there's still going to be discourse over it on Monday when the ratings come out. But nonetheless, there is a pattern to this. It happens every year. Um, anyway, The Great Clay says, I keep holding out for Gresham to take the belt off Jericho at Final Battle or sometime thereafter. I should let this go, correct? I mean... Um, I'll tell you what. Go look up the spoiler of what the main event of uh, Final Battle is going to be. Yes, you should give this up. Um, that's that's all. <laughs> the, uh, well, what else did we have? So, we then went into a defense of the AEW... Oh, wait, sorry. Backstage segment. That's right. Well, we caught up with Keith Lee. Not sure what's going on with Swerve. Unless you're not paying attention because it's kind of <laughs> out there. Uh, but Swerve and Keith Lee. Uh, Keith Lee has his feelings about what happened with Swerve. Swerve stops him and wants to talk to him. Uh, and he covers the camera before we he first out. looked into the camera like he was on the office. I like that. Yes. <laughs> he kind of like looked and then he's like, okay, let me just shield that. <laughs> oh, I love acknowledging the cameras, by the way, in wrestling. <laughs> I feel like, you know, that was one of Cody's big pet peeves is that he always said he hates the invisible camera. Um, that is my least favorite thing in wrestling. I, I think nothing takes me out more than backstage segments where we're supposed to believe that they're they think they're talking in private yeah and (laughs) (laughs) and i'm like we know there's cameras here like right like tna got good at that for a little while uh where you know they wanted to do the kind of the office style thing of uh, you know, having the cameraman peeking behind a corner if they're mm-hmm. talking about a, a, a private conversation. And I liked here that Swerve covered the camera as a 
you know, as far as what's going to happen with him and Keith. Uh, but that storyline is going to continue to play out, and we'll find out more hopefully next week. But we had an All-Atlantic Championship title defense, Orange Cassidy one-on-one with Jake Hager. How did you feel about this match? I don't get the hat. No. Like, I don't I don't get the hype on the hat. Like, <laughs> maybe they need over. to put it on the merch store or something, but I don't get the hype. Uh, it, it is getting over because, like, look, they were signs for the hat. Um, and I didn't realize it was actually getting over, honestly, till my son brought it up. Uh, hmm. Where we were... <laughs> We were watching Full Gear the next day after Full Gear. But, you know, I got home on Sunday and then we put it on and watched it. And it was the backstage promo with uh, Jake Hager and Orange Cassidy where this challenge was made for this exact match. And my son goes, uh, like, right as they were doing the promo, my son's like, oh, he's going to say I like this hat. And I'm like, he is? And then he goes, I like this hat. (laughs) And... I thought, have I not been paying attention? Is this a thing that's been getting over? And my son's like, yeah, he's been talking about the hat every week. And I went, okay, I have missed the hat getting over. Yeah, the hat's over. It, it was a thing in the match. It played into the match. Crowd popped when Orange Cassidy removed it. It's Jake Hager. I'll say this. Jake Hager, as a big dumb goof, is probably the best use you're ever going to get out of Jake Hager. I don't think he's a man you could necessarily take seriously. I don't think he's a man that you can put in world title programs. But he is a man that you can put in a silly match over a hat, and fans will react to it the way they're supposed to. I actually had some fun with this match. This was actually fun. What did you think? It was yeah, it was a fun match. Um, other you know, obviously the hat did come into play, but I thought it was a good match. Um. You saw a lot of, you know, JAS involved. You saw um, the best friends involved. So there was a lot of outside involvement as well, but I thought it was still a good match. Yeah. Uh, lots of outside involvement. We got to see Daniel Garcia for the first time in a while. I, feel I know. Like he's Where been, has he been? He's been kind of off TV a little bit pretty much since he rejoined the Jericho Appreciation Society. But uh, either way, Orange Cassidy retained his championship with a roll-up. Um, it was actually a pretty cool-looking victory roll. He Then, uh, as Chaos slash Best Friends are celebrating, you see Rocky Romero out there with Best Friends. QT Marshall and the Factory make their way out. And not sure what this was supposed to be because QT Marshall's like microphone stopped working halfway through. Yeah. But uh, before they could do anything... Lights out. We see Julia Hart. And it's the return of the House of Black. All three members back. And they lay waste to everyone in the ring. How did you react to the return of the House of Black? I was excited. I was so glad. I love Queen Julia. And she looked great. She looked stunning. <laughs> she, <did>. no, she, <laughs> she looked so cool. She is the... Um, honestly, the, the transformation of Julia over the last like six months has been um, surprisingly very effective. I was worried about it. You know, when they were uh, taking too long to get her into the, the House of Black as they were trying to court her, 
uh, I thought, oh, is this ever going to actually pay off? Right. I'll tell you, uh, I like how much of it has worked for her. Mm-hmm. And there it was. The group is together. All four members made their return. Of course, amidst all the rumors of whether or not Malachi wanted to leave the company, um, Buddy leaving. Uh, and, of course, we had uh, our, our our boy, Brody King, make sure to let us know. He was like, I'm not going nowhere. I, I like it here. So, <laughs> but, but everybody else had kind of made their words known. Uh, but it didn't matter. The House of Black has returned. And like I said, Trio's division suddenly feels kind of beefy. We suddenly, it does. <laughs> we've got the, the title picture, of course, with uh, Death Triangle and the Elite going at it. But, of course, we have another trios feud now. Uh, we have the possibility of doing Best Friends versus House of Black. Of course, that's a loss that the House of Black wants to avenge. Um, or no, sorry, they lost, They didn't lose to Best Friends. They lost to the Dark Order. That's another one that yeah. they should probably be wanting to avenge. But regardless, they also have... Uh, I don't know. It's just It, it feels like... The, the division kind of got a little bit of a shot in the arm that it's needed since the belts were introduced at All Out. So, Agreed. Yeah, I was excited for this. They they cleared everybody out. They grabbed the mic. People loved it. They popped. What could go wrong? And I think it's the fact that we didn't expect it. Like, we've seen the promos, but we didn't think it would come so soon. So I think that's what also made it great, was it was something that we didn't necessarily think we were getting so soon, but it was a pleasant surprise. It was a pleasant surprise. Uh, Brent Lockman says Brody King as the most dapper looking killing machine ever <laughs> made me too happy. I agree. That man looked very well like, dressed. Yeah, very well dressed. I thought this was very cool. And yeah, I liked it. I I, I liked the return. I popped for it. I didn't see this coming. Um I wasn't even sure I had well, I had anything to look forward to in Orange Cassidy versus Jake Hager. And I like Orange Cassidy. I love Orange Cassidy matches. I was looking at this like, eh, what's this going to be? Match was fine, and it had a moment. So I'm into this. Very much into it. We, or Ryan Bin 666 says, uh, have you loved anything as much as Hager loves hat? And, <laughs> and Brent Lockman says, Hager theme remix. I got a, I got a hat. Actually, I like that a lot. <laughs> um, that's really good. Thank you. Uh Ray Slaver says, I just got home from the show. It was about 90% full. Great crowd. The ending of Rampage was awesome. TK did not come out and talk after the show. Yes. Uh, Iridian from the Rest Friends was there. I saw she posted a video and she was like, we're here waiting for TK to come out. And he never did. I guess he usually comes out and says, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. I'm not sure mm -hmm. why he didn't do that this year. What's going on, Tony? Um... Probably not the time to face a Chicago crowd right now. <laughs> uh, that's that's my guess. Uh, <laughs> I could be wrong. He's like, I am not going out there. You guys know it's Thanksgiving tomorrow. Just know, happy Thanksgiving. Yes. Uh, and so next on the show, we had the long-anticipated end of the full gear championship uh what is it the the championship tournament to determine the number one contender who is going to be facing 
the AEW World Champion MJF at Winter is Coming. Winter is yes. Coming. Yes, that's right. And the thing is, it's a yearly tradition. This was the tournament that Kenny Omega won in 2020 and became world champion. This was the tournament that Brian Danielson won last year and had one of the best matches of the year with Hangman Adam Page. And now this was a time to crown somebody truly new. When the first one happened, everybody was looking forward to it because it was like, oh my God, Kenny Omega's finally. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you had an extra hour in your day, what is the first thing that you would do? Read a book, take a nap, play some video games, do something for a friend, volunteer. A lot of us spend our lives wishing that we had more time. But the question is, time for what? And if it was unlimited, how would you go about using it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important for you and to make it a priority. And therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is so valuable. It's gotten me through some tough times, really helped me reflect on things that are important, specifically with BetterHelp. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be the convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. This is so beneficial when you've got that crammed schedule and you can't even imagine finding that extra hour. You can do it all from home. Fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Fightful today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Fightful. It's so flexible and it can help you find that social sweet spot with BetterHelp. That's betterhelp.com slash Fightful. Getting to the dance, even though it had only been like a year. Right. Um, God, how impatient were we back then? We were like, <laughs> we just want to see a Kenny Omega get there. And like, okay, it had, been a, it had literally been a year. But it was time. Ricky Stocks, one-on-one with Ethan Page. Who was going to walk out of here victorious? Who was going to walk out and basically get to etch their name in history here. Winter is Coming has traditionally been a really big show for AEW. It's usually one of the bigger dynamites of the year. It's usually one of the higher rated of the year. And this time around, we have both Ethan Page and Ricky Starks as up-and-coming breakthrough names. Somebody was going to get their first real world championship opportunity in the main event at one of the biggest shows AEW puts on. Who is it going to be? I think we all knew it was going to be Ricky Starks, but the question was, how did we get there? I think we knew it was going to be Ricky. The biggest tell that it was Ricky Starks was the fact that when Ricky got not medically cleared two weeks ago, they didn't just like find a replacement because it's like, well, this tournament doesn't work if it's not Ricky Starks. Mm -hmm, Exactly. (laughs) So... I think it, I did think the little tape that he had on was interesting. It looked a little bit crop topish. I don't know who wrapped him <laughs> up backstage, but they had him looking like he was in a crop top. <laughs> uh, what'd you think of the match? I thought it was really good. I mean, Ricky really, you know, you could tell he was hurting, but mm-hmm. he, you know, he still pushed and persevered and ended up winning the match. But I think Ethan, he really knew how to work him. And yeah. There were a couple times where I'm like, oh, Ricky, you aren't looking too good. But I'm glad that he won, finally. I, I will say the match 
like I walked into this match going, oh, it's Ricky Starks. It's got to be Ricky Starks. There's no reason to postpone the tournament unless you knew you didn't have another option but Ricky Starks. But the match itself was really selling me on the idea that I was a couple of times like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I could really see Ethan Page. And I'm like, the certain kickouts and pinfalls, I'm like mentally selling myself on, okay, well, what are you doing with Ethan Page here? Uh, but, you know, we knew it was Ricky Starks. Uh, Graham B says, Ricky Starks looking like the Yeti. Um, this was, I thought this was fun too. I actually had a lot of fun with the match. Um, it was one that I wasn't necessarily expecting to fully deliver the way it did. Yeah. But, yeah, Ricky Starks came out of this looking good, looking decisive. He hit multiple spears on... Uh, on Ethan Page to put the exclamation point. We saw uh, Stokely Hathaway get ejected from the mm-hmm. match. But, um, and even Pile Drive Finisher in the chat is talking about, he said, I thought it was Ethan because of the firm, honestly. I mean, I still think the firm was working for MJF the entire time. Oh, uh, <laughs> 100%. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't think they're doing a firm versus MJF thing because. I, I feel think- like that ship has sailed. Yeah, I think the firm is is in his no, pocket. No longer so. firm. They're yeah. no longer firm. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm glad for Ricky Starks. This is a big opportunity. Just thinking about that winter is coming graphic and how kind of important that's felt. You know, that's a licensed property, by the way. They That's not just the name they use. They do definitely license that from uh, Warner and Game of Thrones. So it is a... It is a really important show to them. It is the most important dynamite, I think, of the year. And uh, somebody in the (laughs) chat said they aren't firm now. They are memory foam. Thank you. Preach. But, yeah, I'm really happy to see Ricky Starks get there. This is really cool in having – see, in in front of that Dallas crowd. I'm curious how those tickets sell. You know, we've had – some up and downs, uh, a few downs, like last week's show um, in what was that Bridgeport, Connecticut? That didn't, that wasn't well attended at all. Uh, I'm curious how this Dallas show does because if I'm not mistaken, this is like Tony's fourth time running that arena in a year. Mm-hmm. Um, one of those he inherited, I understand, but nonetheless, because Ring of Honor, Supercard of Honor, was already booked in that building right. when he bought the company. But nonetheless, uh, that was an AEW production. All of AEW's production crew was there. All of AEW security was there. I think and... it'll be interesting to see the crowd dynamic because I know Ricky Starks is like he lives in Texas now. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if the crowd will, you know, he'll not have like a hometown advantage, but like it's kind of like that. But he's not, you know, he's not from there, obviously. Or if they will go for MJF. I mean, that's something that I'm really looking forward to seeing is how the crowd reacts to this match. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm curious, too. I mean, look, this was Chicago. And I think a lot of people were anticipating um, a lot less go with the flow kind of stuff because it's Chicago. Right. But honestly, Moxley got a really strong reaction at the top of the show. I thought that... uh, I was fully anticipating, you know, a pro MJF crowd, much like last week, but we didn't get that at all. This right. was this was still Moxley territory, and I thought that was actually kind of cool. Uh, oh, okay, so we go backstage, and 
we get the update on Bow Wow and <laughs> Jade. <laughs> I told you guys this is what I said maybe three weeks ago. It's been a work for a minute. Um, I don't think it started there, but it became kind of clear maybe about three weeks ago that uh, there's been some work at play here. But who gives a shit about any of that? Red motherfucking velvet was back on my TV. Let's go. Um, I I love red velvet. Um, one of the kindest people I know. Um, I of course look. Uh, nobody's put me over harder when I did her her song on the the AEW album. Um, and so I'm just. I love Red Velvet. I could never have anything negative to say about her. Uh, I also, I felt really bad because I saw when she got injured. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was in Independence, Missouri. That was where that took place. I was there. Um, I saw her after the show. And uh, I felt really bad because it, it seemed like she was feeling really good about where she was as a performer. She was facing Chris Statlander that night. And I think that just the way everything worked out um, was just really unfortunate. And so to see her back on my screen tonight, that was exciting. And uh, then the surprising part was that she fired Kira Hogan for failure to get back the TBS championship. Which is interesting because weren't her and Layla both trying to get the TBS championship back? Yeah, I, I wonder what's going on with Layla. Why, or not Layla, but why they fire Kiera um, specifically. I don't know anything about that. I was planning on asking today, uh, but obviously I had a show to prepare for. So um, I am going to poke around as far as that's concerned because... Uh, I don't know. It's a couple of eyebrows raising at all of that, and I'm curious what they've got. I just I'm curious what they've got planned. Um, is there a singles run for Kiera on the horizon? I saw Tasha mm. Steele's kind of tweet, though. Tasha Steele's tweeted uh, in response to this um, with a little bit of interest, like, is she getting her Kiera back? Uh, mm. I don't know. I have no idea. But there's going to be a baddie celebration next week. The hell does this mean? I hope uh, Bow Wow doesn't crash it. That's all I hope. Oh, Bow Wow's going to crash it. <laughs> this is. <laughs> He's still on his Millennium Tour. He's going to be here this Friday. He'll be in Vegas this Friday. Who's all on the Millennium Tour? It's him, Mario, I think, yeah, like, right. the Ying Yang twins. It's, like, all, like, the late 2000s artists. But I think he's the headliner of it. Because it was called the Millennium Tour. I remember that when I was a teenager. And they were, like, it was Bow Wow and B2K and, like, yeah. IMX, all them were touring. And it was called the Millennium Tour. Um, so it makes sense that they're, they're doing it again. And uh, <sighs> I, I don't know. Um, I do find it all very interesting. I, I am curious what Bow Wow is going to end up doing on screen. What, what, what does any of this mean? Is he going to be with somebody? Is he going to be representing somebody? Hmm. I have no idea. 
But the thing that had everybody talking, the most important part of this show, was the elite going up against in match two of this best of seven series versus the death triangle. Those of you who watch after the week with Will Washington and Denise Salcedo may have heard me say, and if you didn't hear me say it, I'm going to say it again. My favorite part of last week was the elite versus death triangle. I don't give a shit how you feel about their style of matches. I don't care if you're like, oh, it's too choreographed, it's gymnastics, and Cirque du Soleil, heard it all. I love this shit. All right. Yes. This is this is the stuff that pops me. If it gets crowds excited, if it's just exciting action, I don't care. When people tell me, "Oh, it's not realistic." Just I just said on Twitter earlier. There's an old Bobby Heenan adage where Bobby Heenan talked about how uh and this was in a shoot interview, but Bobby Heenan mentioned how have you ever been punched in real life? Have you ever seen somebody get punched in real life? Because if you have, pro wrestling would fall apart for you because people get bruised, people get black eyes. Punches don't aren't just like things you can just like do and then keep going. That's right. not how it goes in real life. And yet, pro wrestling has used them frequently forever. And so uh, saying all that to say that it's pro wrestling. This stuff is literally never ever been realistic i know people say like hey i miss when wrestling was more real no you don't you just miss being a kid when you thought it was real but your parents were looking at it going nah this shit is fake um and that's (laughs) (laughs) and that's how it's always been that said i the thing i love about specifically the young bucks when they're paired up with the Lucha Bros. These guys have never had the same match twice. Right. Um, And as many times as they've been paired with each other, they keep coming up with new ideas to build upon the last time they faced each other. And I knew, or I felt, I hoped, I won't even say knew, I'll say that I hoped that Death Triangle and the Elite having seven of these matches. Possibly. Hell, they could get swept. But having seven of these matches would have the ability to do that same thing. To essentially go out there, kill it at a pay-per-view, then three days later, step into a ring. I guess it's four days later. But four days later, step into a ring, do it all again and not do anything the same as the last time. And they have to do that seven times. And you know what I'm really happy to to say? I felt like this match didn't do anything the same as the match from Saturday. I feel like uh, just the whole dynamic of it was different. Um, I felt like the, the elite walked in on Saturday at full gear, you know, embracing the crowd. They were doing the, uh, the, the heroes welcome mm-hmm. but here they were like eh, we're heels and we know it we know that this crowd is here to hate us so we're gonna act like it fuck them and uh i feel like that was the mode we got from them here which made for an entirely different match uh than we saw on saturday everything was different mm-hmm. 
I agree. I think that, and I think honestly, the next couple of matches they have too, I think it will tell a different story each time. And why they work so well together is because they play off of each other. They, you know, mm-hmm. they, now that they're wrestling over and over again, they're going to learn each other's techniques and their skill sets. And I'm sure they've wrestled before this, but, you know, doing it consecutively, you're going to kind of pick up on, okay, he's going to do this next or they're going to do this mm-hmm. next. But it's the fact that they're bringing something new to the table each and every time. Like, watching this match tonight just seeing how they interact with each other i'm like holy shit like it's something different you know you don't expect ray phoenix to you know flip off the top like he did i was like holy shit like Mm -hmm. (laughs) the way his body twists i was like that was amazing and then just other aspects of the match i mean i think with the incorporation of you know a little shade towards cm punk with the failed buckshot lariat that That was was interesting honestly (laughs) That was worse than any other thing they did. Like we people have talked about the biting, which like, oh my god, Kenny. Like, so the funny thing is, the biting is is that's inside baseball, right? That's one of those things that if you're not uh, paying attention, if you only watch the AEW product, what is that to you, right? Um, and then, but the failed buckshot, Larry, it is something that happened on TV. That's something we saw. Right. CM Punk attempt and not successfully pull off. And that's I the saw thing. it in person. Yeah. Yeah. We, we did. We were at <laughs> um we we were at double or nothing. We saw it happen. Yeah. That that was the one. That was the one where I'm like, oh fuck, they are <laughs> they're really they're going ha- for it here. <laughs> like they're gonna have some fun with this tonight. Uh and Kenny, Mr. Uh, tell Sports Illustrated and Justin Barrasso earlier today. Great interview, by the way. Uh, but, you know, saying, just let it go. I need fans to let it go. And then Kenny Omega's like, <laughs> just kidding. I'm going to uh, bite this man. And I'm, I'm going to hit the GTS. He hit the GTS. That and popped me. Yeah. And... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look. This was some of the most fun I've had watching pro wrestling on tv all year obviously i've had pay-per-view matches that have delivered but as far as just watching a tv match is concerned the crowd was just insane here they were booing from the moment carry on hit in that building uh which was a complete contrast to the reaction the song got in newark Mm -hmm. when i was there just four days ago the yeah, just the the crowd and the way that they were all over this in various different ways. You had uh, CM Punk chants, and then you have Fuck the Elite chants, but then you had Fuck CM Punk chants. And it all played into this match. Every It seems like there's definitely not just division in the locker room, but division amongst the AEW fan base. Just in that building alone, I felt like it was, there were very few pro-punk people in that Newark crowd. Mm -hmm. I didn't chant because honestly, I think chanting fuck somebody is like harsh as hell. I talked about this on on After the Week, how I thought the fuck John Moxley chants where it's like, dude, this guy has been here for you guys all year. Fuck John Moxley. No, fuck you. Uh, But (laughs) the... (laughs) Um, and so when it's like, fuck CM Punk, I'm like, uh, how about, Hey, can we chant like CM Punk acted unprofessionally? 
That's a mouthful. We got to find yeah, something I else. <laughs> <laughs> I do um, know that that being the elite that comes out next is going to be quite juicy because <laughs> I saw at one point, I'm not sure if it was Matt or Nick, um, and it kind of was cut off on the TV, but you could see one of them like close to the crowd when they, I think they were saying fuck CM Punk and he was in the crowd and he was dancing with them and Brandon Cutler was right there filming and I'm like, oh, okay, no. get that footage. Can't wait to see it. <laughs> I, I know... I mean, it's a good thing tomorrow's Thanksgiving, right? Because, like, guys, I'm just going to warn you now. Just hang out with your families. Don't partake in any of this discourse tomorrow. <laughs> like, we know what this is all going to look like. But I swear, you'll be okay if on your Thanksgiving, I guess if you're watching this on Thursday, because technically it's Thursday most places, spend your day listening to this, of course. But also, any discourse what's the point um you don't enjoy nobody your pumpkin has, pie you don't have to worry about the young bucks <laughs> nobody has any answers right now i know people are going to be like well these guys are evps they should be acting this way you don't know how they're acting you don't necessarily this as far as everything you saw on tv tonight this was television as far as how punk feels about it that you don't know but as far as what was put on television, it's it's pro wrestling. Sports entertainment, as they say. Yes. <laughs> but this was fun. I Like I said, the match was a blast. The match was a hoot. Uh, again, just with the, uh, the elite working heel again. Because they've been babyfaces since they've been back. Um, mm -hmm. They come out of the babyface tunnel. But in this particular case, they knew who they were here, and they were going to work heel. And uh, and also, by the way, the uh, the pyro boxes were working this time because mm. at full gear, only one of them worked. And this time, they actually had all of them working, and uh, the entrance looked much better. I'm glad they're going to keep that for TV. But yeah, this was just a very, very fun match. The crowd added so much interest to it. There was just so so much story around it in terms of telling the story of the match of again in the first match they were they came in extremely cocky you could see it in their demeanor they came in with the the tron the message that was saying we're the greatest and they lost they were not able to overcome death triangle this time around they're like well we're gonna beat death triangle at their own game matt um even grabbed the hammer and he right. picked it and uh Penta was still like, nah, I got you, homie, and still beat him. They couldn't even play the heel game and win. Uh, it sounds like the Bucks and Kenny are going to have to regroup and figure this out and be the Bucks and Kenny we know them to be. Mm -hmm. So there's a story being told here, and I hope people are paying attention and not just being like, oh, these are spot matches. They're not. There's a story being told in all of it. And there was a story told in the last one. There's a story told here. This is my type of wrestling. But also, any wrestling that fans are into that's exciting is for me. That's it. That's all I need. Did you like it? I did. I. We will see what happens in the next match. We will see the progression of the story. So, I don't know. Chicago um well and i see people 
<laughs> Saying Chicago's bizarre. Yeah, I mean, hey, the uh, uh, Zero Prime says it's official. Chicago is Bizarro World. I mean, isn't Long Island? I feel like Long Island for AEW is the the definitive Bizarro World city. Oh, when, def, yeah. Uh, when you think about just giving the complete reverse reactions. So, let's talk about the... We talked about the women's title already and everything that's going on with that. But that led to a three-way tag match. We saw Jamie Hayter teaming up with Britt Baker, a.k.a. the pillar and the killer. And uh, we saw the first signs, by the way, that there could be some upcoming issues between Jamie Hayter and Britt Baker. Renee, Before the match even started, yeah. Yes. Renee Paquette goes to ask Jamie Hayter how she feels being champ. Britt Baker cuts her off, grabs the microphone, sends Renee on her way, and tries to talk for Jamie Hayter. Again, the thing I said I wanted to see out of this was Jamie take the title. I wanted to see shades of going back to 04. I know I date myself with this stuff, but Orton uh, and Triple H in Evolution when mm. Orton won the title. Mm -hmm. But the thing I hated about that angle was they had no patience. It was literally the next night. Orton wins the title. At SummerSlam, the very next night on Raw, they just kick him out of Evolution, and you only you spent two hours having Hunter basically pretend to be in Orton's corner. You could have played that shit off for two months, three yeah. months. You could have gotten a lot out of that of Hunter pretending to have Orton's back until they finally destroy him. This one here is, I think. A longer term story. You could tell that same story of Brit and Rebel, the whole group basically working against Jamie, mm -hmm. but uh, luring her into a false sense of security before finally pulling the trigger on that and really giving Jamie a big moment with Britt Baker. Yes, they took on the team of Ty J and Willow Nightingale teaming with Sky Blue. Three way. A three-way tag match. You know, I had to go back and watch this. I've watched it twice now. Mm -hmm. Because the first time, all Twitter was talking about was, oh, shit, Jamie Hayter is, yeah. um, is the lineal champion. It's official. No more interim. And so I felt like that was like the big distraction of the match. Definitely. So I, I don't think people were paying attention. Like they would have been if that announcement wouldn't have been made before the match. Yes. <laughs> uh but either way, I, of course, always like seeing Willow Nightingale on my TV. She's my fave. Me too. And, but this match was really just about, I feel bad. The, you know, Sky Blue is Chicago's own. She got her name known in Chicago. And that's right. how she got signed to AEW was an appearance in Chicago. But this time around, she was there to lose. What did you think of the match? I kind of expected uh, the first match that Jamie Hayter had as champion that she would probably win, even though it was in a, you know, a tag situation. I, I didn't see her losing, um, but I think all the teams had a really good showing. Um, Sky Blue had a lot of good moments in the match, I thought. But um, when the match ended again, you saw some, you know, some seeds planted with Britt and Jamie when the ref handed the title over and Britt took it. And I'm like, girl, that is not your title. And then she hands it to Jamie, and I'm like, hmm. And you kind of see Britt looking at the title a little bit. I mean, 
I think that I hope, like you said, I hope the storytelling goes on for a couple months. I hope they don't rush it because I think everyone has had in the back of their head, like, when is Brett going to turn on Jamie? But I think slow and steady wins the race here. Let Jamie have her moment. Let her, you know, hold this championship that she's been wanting for so long and then still have Brit in the picture, but don't don't rush it at this point. Right. Um, Derek Gordon says, I hate the AEW crowds chanting vulgar crap. I feel like they go into business for themselves. It was so annoying trying to watch a Cody match and now a Sammy match because the crowd ruins them. I won't say ruins. I don't. So I'm not a fan of vulgar chants at all. Uh, some of my least favorite chants, fuck them up is my least favorite chant, I think, in all of pro wrestling. My least favorite chant. Um, you fucked up is fine because they, it has gone from things that where they used to chant it at botches, and I used to hate that, mm. um, where now it is a you're about to get your ass kicked. I think that is the place for the you fucked up chant, and that one's actually stepped up to me. Um, I don't like fuck you as a chant. I think it's too much. What about um, I'm trying to think of some of the ones I've heard. I've heard um, you sick fuck at like GCW shows. Yeah, you sick fuck is even fine to me. Um, yeah, because again, it's it's the scenario, and you're not necessarily directing like vitriol towards somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't call it going into business for themselves. Uh, and the reason I say that is because. I live through the 2014 era crowds. Um, those crowds were awful. The crowds that used to chant for JBL and play with beach balls. And oh, gosh. All of that. Yeah. Remember that era? That was the crowd that went into business for themselves. I used to hate that stuff. And that, to me, I'm like glad there's none of that around pro wrestling right now. Uh, what crowd was that? Guys, remind me. What year it was. But... Uh, after a WrestleMania, they chanted, we are awesome. And when I heard that, I remember being like, all right, we're done here. Like now we've, it's all peaked. Uh, I, I can't take it anymore. The crowds have, uh, gone into business for themselves and it's, it's all too much. Cheeky monkey says, if I was Tony, I'd be pissed at Tony. Tony with an I versus Tony with a Y, by the way, um, (laughs) for those who are listening to audio. I uh, said, I know they retconned it, but still. I mean, I think the decision was literally just made. Um, I don't think it was a case of, like, sure, they could have made the decision sooner. But I am happy that at least Tony's reign is recognized. Because right. to me, that was my second favorite AEW title reign, right behind Sheeta. I think that, uh, and honestly, I still hate that I had to watch Sheeta's reign in front of no fans. So <laughs> I at least had Jamie Hayter, or not Jamie Hayter's, but Tony Storms had fans around that's great true uh but yeah i'm sure she probably is a little miffed i know that they announced there's going to be some kind of promo from her on rampage this week Mm -hmm. uh so we'll hear about all of that i'm sure and there's stuff to run back we then had a segment where we saw the acclaimed with daddy ass celebrate their championship victory they have vanquished Swerve in Our Glory, I tweeted this week that, honestly, Swerve in Our Glory versus The Acclaimed was is up there as probably the most successful feud I think AEW has had in their four-year existence in the tag team division. Um, I think that... I know people have pointed to me other feuds, because when I said that on Twitter, 
I was immediately greeted with, well, what about Hangman Page and Kenny versus the Young Bucks? And mm. went, that, that to me was good. I thought the buildup was good. And obviously, it's my favorite AEW match. But I really do feel like that buildup was more, that feud to me was more a stepping stone inside of Kenny versus Hangman. Yeah. And like Kenny versus Hangman, most would call AEW's best feud. To me, I feel like that was just a piece, a stepping stone in that and not really, like it was it was a one month tag feud, if that. It only really lasted like, yeah, I guess it was a month. It, it started really at Bash of the Beach that year and ended at um, Revolution. But it more so played into the elite like inner fighting than anything mm-hmm. else. Right. Um, I've seen people say, well, actually it's the Young Bucks and um, and Lucha Bros. Mm. Again, those have been great matches. There hasn't really been like, as a matter of fact, right now is what we're mostly seeing as the first like rivalry. Right. Um, as far as existing on TV and having an existing program because going into All Out last year, it was literally like the Young Bucks or the Lucha Bros just won their number one contendership like the week before the match. Uh, They've had great matches. Not a real program, though. This here, though, was a straight program that went all the way through from all out till full gear. They had the three matches, and I feel like everybody has walked out of this better than they walked in. Mm -hmm. I thought that the acclaimed suddenly feel like stars. They... Lots of things lots of jokey type things have gotten over but the thing that keeps the jokey types over are in-ring performances i was just thinking that yeah because i feel like if they weren't that good in the ring and they were you know joking around people would probably be like okay what's the point you know you have a couple fun jokes but you can't you know you're not delivering in the ring but i think because they can deliver in the ring and they have that funny aspect to them i think that's why the fans are eating it up yeah i think that at the end of the day it's like now we're not just excited for max caster rap but we know that when these guys get in the ring they have a chance of delivering and i think that they did all three times you know it was obviously the one slip up at um uh, Grand Slam, but other than that, I think that they've uh, delivered and delivered exciting matches for the fans each time. So I think that they've walked out cementing themselves as a legitimate part of a tag division, mm-hmm. and people take the acclaim seriously now. On the other side of that, Swerve. Swerve has some depth. Swerve feels like somebody who matters in this uh, entire thing, and he's gotten to show a whole lot of character. He's gotten to show that he's not trustworthy. Um, that he's a leech. There's so many various different things he's gotten to show and open up. And I'd say it's hard to think about anybody who gets more heat right now than him. <laughs> and everybody's just waiting. When's he going to double cross right. Keith Lee? Who I think Keith is um, not spoken about enough. But I think one of the things that I've really liked about how they've sold Keith is the aspect of uh, when they were talking about the buildup in the buildup to the match at full gear. And Keith Lee kept saying, I am the cheat code. You don't need to cheat because you have me. And I felt like these matches, all three of them really made Keith Lee seem like when he's good to go, he's going to wreck anybody you put in there with him. And I feel like he's needed to look like that 
pretty much the entire time in AEW. And the, uh, all three times, the thing that stopped them, because the first time they won. The second time, Swerve tried to cheat in using the boom box. He stole it and ended up accidentally hitting Keith Lee. Swerve was the reason they lost there. <laughs> Uh, and, and then there was also, of course, Billy Gunn's interference. And the third time around, Keith Lee was kicking those guys' asses, but it was Swerve who wanted to go too far and Keith didn't want to do it. He slapped Keith. Everything is again, great stuff here. Um, I've just been a big fan, but the funny thing here was the interruption by Sanjay, Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett. And the crowd chanting, TNA sucks. I was hoping they were going to chant TNA sucked. That would have been funnier. Uh, given that Sanjay, Jay Lethal, and Jeff Jarrett all have the TNA connection. Right. TNA is not really a thing anymore. But I Do thought the fans it was... know that? <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was funny. It was a funny chant just in the idea that who would have guessed that would be a thing that fans would chant in 2022. Right. But. So do you think that this team is going to go after the acclaims titles? Like, I I guess I'm a little bit confused here. I don't, I didn't see them really being in the title picture at this point. I'm wondering if this is just one of those like stopgap feuds because we've got so long to go before. Yeah. um, Revolution that. It seems like there's there's plenty to do and to give these guys just kind of somebody for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. I hope that's the case because I ain't trying to see Jay Lethal uh, fighting for no tag team titles for any significant amount of time. Agreed. So um, we got this super chat from... Uh, from Nicholas Starhart who says, Andre Arlovsky... Uh, Renan Barrow, Robert Whitaker, and now Tony Storm and Jamie Hayter. I feel like the existence of interim titles, whether you like them or not, uh, were justified tonight. Also, wild that Thunder Rosa and uh, Yuri Prochaska both vacated tonight. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the thing is... So, I can see your argument that the existence of the interim title was justified in the sense that now that they've established a mechanism for retconning, now that it's like, you know, that was the one thing people were worried about was all of this stuff that's happening with Tony Storm. Um, does it even count because she's an interim champion? And now they're like, in hindsight, yes, it did count. We are retroactively acknowledging she was champion that whole time. Right. And so now that that mechanism exists, I think that should alleviate a lot of the worry that people can have over interim champions over whether or not, oh, did this count because, or is this going to count, right? Mm -hmm. Because at least you know that in the event that they do have to turn it into a lineal championship, everything's golden. We can just look back and go, eh, it's fine. I can see that argument. I can also see the argument of, Next time, just strip the champion and you don't have to go through this again. (laughs) So, works kind of both ways. But finally, main event time. Tomohiro Ishii versus Chris Jericho. Insane. 
I was not expecting anything out of this match. Same. Uh, this is one of those matchmaker type situations where if you told me to put these two together uh, because they'll produce, I'd be like, ah, uh, maybe. But God, this was fun as hell. Jericho bleeding from his chest. I was confused. I think everyone was confused. I looked down for a minute and I look back up and there's blood everywhere. And I'm like, who's bleeding? Mm-hmm. No, this this was a complete kick-ass match. <laughs> and uh, I thought, like, the crowd was really into it. They they bit on a lot of stuff. Uh, I wasn't sure how Ishii was going to come off here against Jericho. But uh, holy crap, this was an unexpectedly great and fun main event. It was. They did a really good job with it. I was not expecting the end, though. I was not expecting Claudio to come out. Yeah, I thought we were done with that, but yeah, I guess that that's... Yeah, that was a little random. That's where we're headed for final battle, it appears, uh, is Claudio and Jericho again. Okay, I'm fine with that, uh, but I thought there'd be some other options. But yes, Chris Jericho... Because uh, he was about to head after uh, Ian, which, of course, Jason is asking, uh, why does Jericho hate Ian? Because um, he represents <laughs> Ring of Honor. But no, this was just a great match. I had so much fun with this. I thought that, again, um, look, I'm a sucker for blood and pro wrestling. And uh, it was it was fun. It was ex- the chops almost got to a point of being excessive, but the fact that I had a man bleeding from his chest on yeah. my pro wrestling program was enough to justify how much it was happening. Again, I wasn't sure what to expect out of Ishii and Chris Jericho. I thought also that Chicago crowd really helped this uh, scenario just really play out quite well. At the end of the day, if you when you put this card in front of me, I looked at it like, eh. That's kind of a uh, not so much. You're not giving the Chicago crowd a whole lot here. And yeah, it's Chicago, but I feel like God, they made the best of what they were given, and especially when you consider who was missing from the show, like the world champion. It was interesting too that they had the small promo with Wardlow and Samoa Joe in regards to the TNT title. Yeah. Um, but we didn't see Samoa Joe. So that was interesting there as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering where this all ends up. Next week, they are in Indianapolis. Um, that show initially wasn't selling all that well. I know they closed a few sections uh, to kind of push the sections that they're trying to sell. Uh, but it's looking a lot better as, I, um, as I've taken a glance at how that's been selling. And I know WrestleTix has been tracking all of that. So we'll see how that one turns out. I know that uh, the shows for the rest of the year are looking a little bit better than the shows these last few weeks have been looking. I know the Mm -hmm. week after that, they're in Austin, Texas. That one's sold pretty decently. Um, I actually talked to somebody pretty high up in AEW about... um, the tracking for the tickets here in Denver mm-hmm. and 
they tell me that the show is tracking uh, for much further ahead than the last time they were in Denver. So oh, good, yeah. Now, granted, that was three years ago. That was uh, the second to last show before the pandemic. Mm. So I'm actually surprised they they took so long to get back to Denver. But well, it seems like right now they're doing like the whole kind of West Coast thing. Like they're kind of, you know, Midwest right now. Now they're going to start slowly but surely coming over to the West Coast. Still no Las Vegas show, but I think I'll live. (laughs) Yes. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of shows to be that oddly enough, they are about to announce, I think, next week one show that's further out east Mm. and uh you could probably guess what it is if you just look at their schedule um and it's kind of odd that they they, they're doing these west coast shows in january and then they're heading to lexington kentucky and then they're heading a little bit further east not gonna announce their announcement that's coming up but again it's pretty easy to figure out uh and then they're then heading back west as they hit Arizona and right. Um, and I think they have places. California in March yeah, again. They have California yeah, in March because they're doing Revolution in the um, in San Francisco, and I'm pretty sure uh, I can't spoil any of that stuff. <laughs> That's until until I have confirmation. <laughs> That's the thing is, look, I'll report if I have 100% concrete confirmation on things. I will report them. Uh, you can friggin' trust me on that. I still, I talked last week on the fact that um, I still have not been able to get a confirmation on when the rumored events in the UK are supposed to be. Um, mm-hmm. I've only heard it from one person, and they weren't certain enough for me to feel like I can report that. Yeah. So, um, and I will say this also. Uh, the chat has it right. So mm. <laughs> as far as the data I'm talking about. So that's that. Uh, anyway, folks, Lo, can you let the folks know where and why they can find you? Yes. So Wrestling Wine Down is a wrestling and wine podcast. You can find us on Twitter while Twitter is still around and Instagram at WWDCAST. We are available on all of your favorite streaming platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio. If you want Wrestling Wine Down merch, we still have the 1-800-WAR-DADDY shirt. That is on shop.wrestlingwindownlv.com. Hell yeah. Got it all <laughs> out there. Yeah, Definitely. Follow low and check out Wrestling Wind Down. It is excellent, excellent programming. And uh, I think she's one of the best. And I'm glad Thank that you. I was finally able to get her on here on yes. Day After Dynamite. Because this, as our friend Jeremy Lambert, who didn't make an appearance on the show tonight, um, likes to put it, this is the forbidden door of pro wrestling media. Ooh. Right here on Day After Dynamite. <laughs> Thank you for being here, Lo. Don't forget uh, to check out Grapsity. There will be no Ask Grapsity this week, but we're doing two back-to-back weeks of it, so don't worry. We're, we'll be back next week. Grapsity will be back this Saturday at its normal time, um, and that's going to be at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. And then I got a ton of podcasts to do that Saturday because then Saturday evening, Denise Salcedo and I are going to be hosting the Survivor Series post-show right here at Fightful, youtube.com slash Fightful. And then day after that, I got after the week with Denise Salcedo on her channel. And so uh, there's going to be a whole lot of that duo if you're a fan of us. And if you aren't, you're going to get sick of us real fast. Uh, And 
just a ton more content. Just keep checking out what we're putting out here. We love it. And I want everybody to have a safe and happy holiday. However you're celebrating, whether it's saying, fuck the holiday, I'm going to work. Whether it's, I'm just taking some time to myself and I'm going to enjoy. Whether you're getting to chill with your family. Whether you're getting to eat a great big feast. Or whether you're eating a pizza. Whatever it is. I just hope that you have the best time possible and I hope you get to enjoy the weekend and I hope you get a long weekend out of it. Outside of that, folks, that's it for this edition of Day After Dynamite. Thanks for joining me for Low. I'm Will Washington. See you next time. Have a great day. Peace. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.